Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, praise the Lord. Let's get into the Word this morning. And uh, I want to tell you a story about a nam- man by the name of William Sangster. And uh, Sangster pastored a church in England in the 1940s and 1950s. And when he was 58 years old, he received a diagnosis of an incurable disease that caused his muscles to atrophy. And, uh, and, and he was diagnosed with this. And when he first learned of the disease... He said, there are four things that, 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 that I want to uh, learn from this. There are four things, that, that resolutions that I want to make. Number, the first resolution I want to make is that I will never complain. I will never complain. The second resolution, I will keep the home bright. And the third resolution, I will count my blessings. And then the fourth, I will try to turn it to gain. Well, over the next several years, his body became paralyzed, and he lost muscle movement and was eventually left with no voice and movement of only two of his fingers. He continued to use those two fingers to write and to communicate, and on Easter morning, 1960, just a few weeks before his death, he wrote the following words. He said, how terrible to wake up on Easter and have no voice to shout, he is risen. Far worse to have a voice and not want to shout. Friends, today's the day to shout, he is risen. (laughs) He is risen. He is risen indeed. It's a day to shout praise. It's a day to celebrate the life that Jesus has given and provided to all of us. But perhaps today you're struggling. Perhaps you're struggling to shout a shout of praise. Perhaps today you have circumstances that uh, maybe are, are sapping you and draining you of joy, draining you of peace, draining you of hope, draining you of life. Perhaps you've been dealing with depression or maybe you've been dealing with discouragement or disappointment and it's kind of locked you up and put a, a, a cloud over your head. Maybe you're wrestling with doubt today. Maybe you're coming in here and you're struggling in your faith, or maybe you're facing fear and anxiety. Maybe life is uncertain, worry has been messing around with you, and for some of you today, you're just not satisfied with where you are on this Easter Sunday. Maybe you define your current state as maybe searching for meaning. Well, today I want to give you hope. I have good news because Jesus invites us today an invitation to come alive, an invitation he is in extending to you to come alive. In fact, in John chapter 11 and verse 25, this is what Jesus declared about himself. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Friends, this is hope. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, Scripture tells us, lives in us. We have been invited to come alive. And when Jesus declared that he was the resurrection and the life, there were a lot of people during that time that did not fully grasp 
or understand what he was saying, what he meant by that statement. In fact, the context of that statement is is a much broader story about another man who had died and who was raised to life. Another man who had died but didn't stay dead, and his name was Lazarus. And today, we're going to couple that, and we're going to look at this story, and we're going to find three different ways that many of us perhaps die a little bit inside. And we're going to see the resurrection that Jesus brings, the life that he brings, as he wants to bring some dead things back to life in you. He wants to bring some dead things back to life in you. John chapter 11 and verse 1 is where we'll start. The Bible says that there was a man whose name was Lazarus. That's how it begins. But it declares this about him. It says that Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was sick. We're going to find out he wasn't just sick, just a little bit sick. He was, he was pretty, pretty, pretty dead sick, pretty sick to the point of leading to death. He was about to die. He was from a village that was called Bethany, and he lived with two of his sisters, Martha and Mary. And in verse 3, the sisters sent word to Jesus. They knew Jesus. They knew about Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. In fact, in the previous chapter of John chapter 10, Jesus had shared a meal with them. One you might remember where the sister Martha is working away to prepare the meal. Jesus is sitting and talking, and the other sister Mary's just sitting there listening to him. Anybody remember that story? That happened in John chapter 10. So Jesus was close to this family. He knew this family. He'd been over their house for dinner. He knew them, and so they knew that he had the power to heal. So they send word to Jesus, listen, your friend Lazarus is sick. He's sick. you got to come and help us. And, 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 and so here it is, the one you love is sick. Now that's bad news in the middle of a good life. Unfortunately, if we pause for a moment, I think that there are a lot of people today who might be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and yet there are some things that are not going well in your life. Perhaps there's some sickness in your life. Perhaps there's some situations in your life that you're up against that are difficult situations, and it's difficult for you to find joy this Easter. That was certainly the situation there for Mary and Martha and, and for Lazarus, who was, uh, who was sick to the point of, of dying. The one you love is sick. Somebody close to you is sick, and maybe somebody close to you is sick. Maybe you heard that maybe your, your job is going away, and you're not going to have a job. Maybe you dream that, that, that you have this wonderful dream of this, this wonderful marriage, and that marriage has turned into a nightmare. Maybe it's a close friendship that just hadn't worked out, or maybe the principal calls you to talk about your teenage son or daughter, and it's not because they made the honor roll, if you know what I mean. Right? There are some difficult situations. So, so bad news is not something favorable. And we see here that Mary and Martha send to, to word to Jesus, the one that you love, your friend, our brother is sick. And Jesus says something amazing in verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus has a plan. They don't know what that plan is, but Jesus says that this very thing that, that, that you think is happening, you know what, there, God is going to bring glory to himself out of the worst news you could ever imagine. Out of the circumstances that you are facing, God is about to bring glory out of that. 
We're going to come back to that verse in just a moment, and I'm just going to give you a quick summary of the next several verses, verse 5 through 14, and and you can read it on your own if you like, but basically, Jesus doesn't come to help. You might think if somebody called Jesus to help, he'd come and help. Jesus doesn't come to help. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus stays there for two more days. He's just kind of hanging out. He's kind of, he's hanging out. They're kind of freaking out, and Jesus is kind of hanging out. How many have ever been there before where you've been freaking out and you're wondering, Jesus, I've called on you. Where are you? You're freaking out and it seems like Jesus is hanging out. Anybody ever been there before? Just a few of you. Okay. I've been there before. So here he is. Two days later, he finally says to the disciples, he says, you know what? Let's go back to Judea. And they're a little upset. They say, no, 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 no. If we go back to Judea, there are people there that are going to kill you. You see, what happened is, is there are people that wanted to kill Jesus. Part of why he was kind of laying low outside of that time is because there was persecution. There were people that wanted, wanted to kill him. The religious leaders wanted to kill him. They were not happy with him. And so, so here they are. They've kind of taken a little break to kind of, you know what I'm saying, take the heat off a little bit. And, uh, and, 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 and Jesus has waited two days. And he says, let's go back. And and they say, no, 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 somebody's going to, they're going to kill you. He goes, no, 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 no. And then they say about Lazarus, and he says, no, Lazarus has fallen asleep, and we need to go wake him up. Now, how many of you know Jesus wasn't talking about, he wasn't talking about sleep, sleep, like some of you got last night. He's not talking about that sleep, sleep. He's talking about dead sleep. It's a symbolism for, for what Lazarus was. They weren't quite understanding that. They thought if he's sleeping, that's a good thing. If he's sick and he's sleeping, that's a good thing. How many know if you're sick and you're sleeping, that's a good thing? So it's kind of a, a, a metaphor, and, uh, but no, he, he's, he, Jesus is saying, no, he's, he's, he's dead, and we're going to go raise him up. What I want to look at today are three characters in this story, three characters in this story that have some deadness in their life, some deadness on the inside, some deadness that has taken place in their life that Jesus wants to, to bring their situations and wants to bring them to life in their situations. One of the disciples we're going to look at, his name is Thomas, and we're going to look at the two sisters, Martha and Mary, and we're going to see different ways that they were dying on the inside this morning, and, uh, and we're going to see how Jesus raises us up, how Jesus raises us up. First, let's, let's take a look at Thomas. Thomas is dead in doubt. Thomas is dead in doubt. Look at verse 16. John eleven sixteen. so Thomas called the twin, said to the, his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I'm going to know that's not a good outlook. That's somebody that seems the glass has it half empty, right? Half empty. Or maybe he's a realist. <laughs> Listen, we know your life is on the line. You know what? Let's go. We're just going to go die with him. They're going to kill him. They're going to kill us too, right? Let's just go. We're going we're to die with him. Thomas was dead in his doubts. In fact, he had a nickname. Anybody been to church and been to Sunday school before? What's the nickname for Thomas? Doubting Thomas. Boy, you all know that. Doubting Thomas, right? Don't be a doubting Thomas. Throughout Scripture, Thomas was known as doubting Thomas. He was, he was a doubter. He, he struggled sometimes to be able to believe. He struggled sometimes to be able to see certain situations. And he says, let's go die with him. And then later on in the resurrection story, we see that, that Thomas continues to struggle with this idea of doubt. Maybe the disciples uh, uh, were hiding. We see on that Sunday morning, they were hiding. They happened to be up there and, and uh, the resurrection had taken place and Peter and John had run the tomb. They'd heard about the, the, the women who were at the tomb who had been there and, and, and their experience that Jesus is not here. There was an angel that 
that was there, angels that were there that said he's not there, he's risen. Go tell, the, go tell the disciples, especially Peter. Peter and John go run to the tomb. They look in. They don't see him either. They come back. And then there's, there's news from some guys that happen to be some other followers of Jesus that were on their way out of town from Jerusalem uh, out to Emmaus. They're on this road. Jesus shows up. They don't even recognize him at first. He breaks bread. Their eyes are open. They come back. They say there's risen. And we get a picture that Jesus then, or the disciples then, are kind of up and in, 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 in they're, they're kind of hanging out. The doors are locked and, uh, and they're just kind of huddled together. They're not sure what. There's news from the, from the Roman soldiers that, that hey, um, uh, the disciples are the ones that stole the body. He didn't, really, he didn't really rise from the dead. They came and stole the body. So now they're feeling like maybe they're being blamed. They're kind of wrestling themselves. They're behind closed doors. And Jesus shows up, right? How many you love when Jesus shows up? Jesus shows up. And, uh, and, 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 and so, so in that room, and, and, and he shows his scarred hands, yet Thomas wasn't present. Look at John 20, 24, and 25. Now, now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But when he said to them, unless I see the hands and the marks of the nails and, and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my, my hand into his side... I will never believe. Now, how many know that's doubt? That's doubt. There's been all these reports, but Thomas wasn't there when Jesus originally showed up. And, 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 and the disciples said, we saw the risen Lord. We saw him. He says, I'm not going to believe unless I, unless I can put my, my fingers into his, in, into his nail-scarred hands, unless I can put my, my hand into his side. I, I, I'm not going to believe. The, the indication is, is that Thomas was wrestling with doubt. I'm curious on this Easter Sunday, how many of you would be honest and say that at times you've wrestled with spiritual doubts in your life? Anybody wrestle with faith? Anybody wrestle with doubt? Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, if you haven't put your hand up, God bless you. You're better than I am. There are times where we wrestle with doubt. There are times where we struggle with spiritual doubt. There are times where, where if we are honest, we ourselves are like doubting Thomas. You, it might be doubting Aaron, whatever your name is, doubt. There are times where there are circumstances that don't match the expectations. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Experience doesn't always match the expectation. And when experience doesn't match our expectation, oftentimes doubt can creep in. Oftentimes we can struggle in our faith. And that's the, the moment where we see Thomas. He is struggling in his faith. He is wrestling in his faith. Maybe you've prayed some kind of prayer and you say, God, I really need you to answer. God, I really need you to come. And then, then, and then the answer doesn't come and the situation gets worse and boom, you're thrust into doubt. You had faith, but then Jesus didn't show up the way you thought he was going to show up and he didn't answer the way you thought he was going to answer. And all of a sudden, you found yourself wrestling with doubt. Why didn't Jesus answer? Or maybe you, you grew up, you know, you, you grew up, you went to church, you went to Sunday school, or you went to youth group, your parents believed, and then you went off to college and some professor started to question everything that you believe and started to bring up this philosophy and that philosophy and this and that, and told you that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead and told you all this stuff that wasn't, wasn't true, and all of a sudden you began to question and wrestle and started to doubt your faith, and you said, well, I know that's what my parents believe, but I don't know if I can believe that anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, somebody, somebody, somebody caused you to question. Caused you to question, boom, there it is. All of a sudden, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe you, you were believing God and then something really bad happened. And you thought, how can a good God allow something bad like that to happen? 
How can, how can they say God is good when, when these circumstances that I'm facing are so, why would, why would a good and loving God allow that to happen? And, 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 and boom, doubt, doubt sets in. Am I hitting a nerve? Anybody been there before? Come on, I've been there before. There are times where you, where you wrestle with these things. Why didn't God stop it if he was powerful enough? We struggle with doubt. In fact, let me encourage you to keep coming back, not just on Easter Sunday, but keep coming back because next week we're going to start a new series called Disillusion where we're going to explore the different reasons why we might struggle with doubt and our faith. And we're going we're to take those and look at different people throughout Scripture that had a little bit of disillusionment and struggle with a little bit of doubt in their faith. You might be struggling with doubt. Thomas followed Jesus from, when he was invited to be a follower of Jesus, he followed, he witnessed firsthand miracles that Jesus had done. He'd seen Jesus heal. He'd seen Jesus raise the dead. He'd seen all kinds of things. And, uh, and for whatever reason, the events that happened from the cross and the arrest and the, and the cross and, 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 and all of those things and, and now the, the, the things that have happened just caused him to go, I... I'm really not sure I, I know what's going on and, and I'm not going to be duped again. I'm not going to fall into that again. I want to know, I want to have assurance for my doubt. For my doubt. I don't want to get sucked back into that. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're wrestling with doubt. Maybe you're struggling to believe in the resurrection. You got invited by, by somebody to come and celebrate Easter. But if you're honest with yourself, you'd say, you know what, I'm a person I'm not sure I showed up because that's what we do at this time of year. And I, I was brought to church. And you, you just be honest and you say, you know what? I'm just really struggling to really believe this resurrection stuff. I'm, I'm struggling with doubt. I want to encourage you this morning. You're not alone. Even Jesus' closest followers struggled with doubt. Even they struggled a little bit in their faith. How about Mary? Let's look at her next. She's dead in discouragement. She's dead in discouragement. Again, Lazarus has died uh, the two sisters are left to pick up the pieces. They had sent word to Jesus, and he didn't come. He, he, didn't, he didn't come right away, and, and, uh, and they're grieving, each of them in their own way. John chapter 11 and verse 17 says, now when Jesus came, he, he found Lazarus has already been dead in the tomb four days. I mean, you know, four days, that's a long time. Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard the news that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but look what it says, Mary remained seated in the house. Mary remained seated in the house. This is the Mary that just the chapter before in John chapter 10 couldn't, couldn't get out of just sitting and in, 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 in listening to Jesus when he talked. Even when there was work to be done, she chose the better as she was just sitting there in his presence. But now in these circumstances, now in this situation, when Jesus shows up, Martha goes to see Jesus. Mary doesn't move. She's grieving. You ever experienced discouragement like that, disappointment like that, depression like that, to where even good news isn't good, even somebody that, that has come to see, you just don't feel like seeing them or talking to them, you don't feel like going anywhere, you just want to sit and grieve. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's where Mary's at, experiencing grief and discouragement, and, 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 and here she is, and, and I think that, that perhaps it's like this, you know what, He's, my brother's been dead and in the tomb four days, we sent for you, you didn't come, I'm grieving, now you show up, what do you expect me to do? Why bother? Why bother? Maybe you're in a situation that's like that, why bother? A why bother type situation. 
Uh, why bother? Even though Jesus had, had, had raised two other people from the dead shortly, that happened shortly after they died. They weren't, they weren't wrapped up and prepped for burial. They weren't in a sealed tomb. Honestly, this is, this is kind of one of those situations, honestly, where it's like, I just don't think there's any other hope. And, and, and Jesus, I'm not sure if I really want to see you right now. I don't know if I want to see you right now. Some of you, you this Easter, you're, you're dead in discouragement. You feel like your situation is hopeless. You, you don't see there's any possible way that the circumstances that you're facing are going to change. Perhaps you feel alone or you feel like you're always going to be alone. Perhaps you're struggling with depression and you see no way out. Perhaps you feel like you're stuck in that job and you don't see any other way out of it. You go there each and every day. You feel the struggles of that, that rhythm of, and I just don't know. I just, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And there just doesn't seem to be anything opening. And you just feel like maybe that situation is hopeless and you're discouraged. Or maybe some of you, some of you, you're discouraged. Maybe you're stuck in discouragement. Maybe you're stuck in grief and you're just, man, you're just having a really hard time. Grief has a way of clouding our vision. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever seen the grief clouds our vision? Grief has a way of clouding our, our vision. We're unable to see hope when it's right in front of us. If we go back to the moments of the resurrection, and I'm switching between two stories, but, but fast forward to that Sunday when Jesus rose from the grave, there is a, another situation that, that has happened, another Mary. She's a different Mary from the one who's in this particular story, and she's at the tomb. And watch this exchange. Verse 11, John chapter 20 and verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she wept, and she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet, and they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to him, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. If there wasn't such grief in this moment, this would be a laughable situation. I mean, you want to talk about grief and discouragement so much so, usually when angels show up in the Bible, what do people do? They fall down, right? In fear. They fall down and worship throughout the Bible. When you see that angels show up, they're like, oh, two angels there. She's looking. They say, why are you weeping? And she's just unfazed. Like there is no, she's just unfazed. There is just not, there's not anything. She's just unfazed in the middle of that discouragement and grief. She's completely unfazed by the presence of two angels and an empty tomb. And she's just saying, where have they moved him to? This, I'm not seeing resurrection. I'm seeing, I, I don't know where they, I don't know who's messing with me. Where have they moved him? And, and then the one she's looking for, she turns around, he's standing in front of her, and she doesn't even recognize him. Friends, I'm going to tell you that oftentimes in your grief, oftentimes in your discouragement, even when hope is right in front of you, you can't see it. You can't see it. Even when hope is in front of you, you can't see it. Some of you are dead in discouragement. You have trouble seeing how Jesus is at work in your situation. You're having trouble seeing Jesus in your circumstances because you're so discouraged this morning and you're dead in your discouragement. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus invites you to come alive. He's inviting you to come alive. How about Martha? 
I want to say Martha was dead in delay. How many of you like delays? Right? Going back, Martha goes to meet Jesus. She's struggling with the time of the arrival. She sent for him. He waited two days. Now Lazarus has been dead and in the tomb for four days. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, what took you so long? We see at verse 21, <coughs> Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever struggled with the timing of God? Anybody ever struggled with the timing of God? God, I don't understand. I thought you were going to do this. I thought you would answer. I thought you would come. I thought you would do this. I thought you would come and do that. And there's this delay. And you're thinking, God, where are you? How come you haven't showed up? That's Martha. Martha is struggling with delay. She is struggling with delay. And, and she's thinking culturally. I just want to give a little background culturally here. Just do a little bit of what, what we do in Bible college called hermeneutics. In this time where Martha was living, there was a commonly held belief. It was not a Jewish faith belief, and it was not a Christian belief. I want you to know that. It was not a Jewish uh, religion belief. It was not a Christian belief. It was a secular cultural belief of that day. But how many of you know that even in, our, even in our culture, there are some things that are not Christian beliefs, uh, but, but they are cultural beliefs, and we as Christians believe them. All right, sometimes we get caught up in some of those things, believing that, that some of those things. So there was a, a cultural hell belief that your spirit would stick around your body for about three days. So after you died, your spirit wouldn't go anywhere. It would just kind of hover and hang around close to your body for about three days. But on the fourth day, it was out of here. Like that was it. It was done. There was nothing, there was nothing ever, nothing happened and nothing ever close to that. It wasn't coming back. And so... Maybe perhaps in her mind, if Jesus had come a little sooner, if Jesus had come a little sooner, then maybe, maybe, maybe he might be able to be brought back to life. But this is four days, four days in the tomb. He wasn't just mostly dead. He was dead, dead, right? He was dead, dead. How do I know that she knew and thought that he was dead, dead? Because later on in the story, all right, so if you've never read this story before, I'm just going to, spoiler alert, okay, at the end of this. Jesus says, Jesus says, roll the stone away, roll the stone away, and she's like, hold on a minute, he's been in there four days, and, and I love the King James Version, this is, my, this is the time when I love the King James Version, it says, he stinketh, about Lazarus, like he'd been in there four days, he stinketh, all right, I mean, this is Martha, right, she's already worried about the details, all right, and, and, and she wants to believe, right, she wants to believe, but okay, that's, that's kind of like, oh, Jesus, hold on a moment here, all right? This just isn't practical. Like, it's been four days. He stinketh, right? There are some of you in the delay, your situation and your circumstances, they stinketh right now, right? You have a hard time seeing how Jesus can bring anything back to life in that situation. Your marriage has been that dead. It's been way too long. It stinketh, and there is no way possible that God could actually do anything in your situation. It stinketh. There are situations where you're just like, it stinketh. I, I just don't know if there's anything there. That's the situation Martha was in. Jesus, you took too long. You took too long. You didn't come. Why didn't you come sooner? You took too long. And she's, she's just kind of struggling in that way. And there are some of you, that's, that's where you're at, whether it's your marriage or maybe you're a couple, you've been praying for a baby, you've been wanting to have a baby and it just isn't happening. And you're just kind of wondering, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? You see other families, other friends of yours, they start expecting and it just really, it's hard, right? And it just doesn't seem to be any answers. 
Maybe you're praying for a loved one. You want that loved one to experience the goodness of God. Maybe it's a, a, a wayward son or daughter that is just, they have gone away and it just seems like you pray and you pray and you pray and every time you, you, you're hoping they're going to come back, it just seems like they just keep running further and further and further and further away from God. And you're struggling in the timing of God and to see the goodness of God in your situation. God, why? Why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? The truth is, that oftentimes God has a different plan. And I just want to encourage you that God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. God's timing is not always our timing. His ways are not always our ways. But I want to tell you something, God is still in charge. And in this situation, in this story, what we see is no matter what, God is still in charge. No matter how dead the situation seemed to be, no matter how delayed the situation seemed to be, no matter how stinketh the situation seemed to be, God was still in charge. God was still in charge. If we go back to the resurrection story, we know that on on that good Friday, on that Friday, Jesus gave his life on the cross and he said, it is finished. And he, he, he gave up his spirit. But it wasn't until Sunday that the tomb was empty. There is a time in between, how I many you know it's called Saturday, where it just seems dark. I'm not the first one to preach this message. But it's a nice reminder this morning because some of you are living in Saturday. But I want to tell you, Sunday's on the way. Sunday's on the way. Some of you are in the delay of Saturday, but Sunday is on the way. Sunday is on the way. Sunday is on the way. God is still in control. God is working in ways you do not see. He is doing things that you do not see. He is working behind the scenes, doing things that you do not see. He is still in charge. He is still in control. God is still working. God is still working. Man, I love that song by, by Elevation Worship, and it says, uh, uh, you know, the, the, it talks about Saturday. Saturday was silent. Surely it was through, right? But then he says, uh, but God, you're not going to run out of miracles anytime soon. <laughs> that's not a scripture verse. That's a song. I love that song. I love that song. Friends, Sunday's coming. Hope is coming. For Martha, she couldn't see the delay, but she did have hope. Out of all of these, Martha had hope. And, and we see it, John eleven twenty two. 22. She's trying to have hope. Look at what she says. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. But, but even now, but even now, this is, this is what she says to him. But even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Friends, I want to encourage you. Some of us need to have an even now faith. We need to have an even now faith. Martha says, even now, I know that it's been delayed, I know that it seems hopeless, but even now, and even now, but even now, some of you in your situations, in your circumstances, you say, God, I don't see the answer, I don't know what's coming, I don't know how you're going to bring this dead thing back to life, I don't know how you're going to heal this sickness, I don't know how this cancer is going to be removed, I don't know what the ending is going to be, but even now, but even now, but even now, I know that whatever you desire, whatever you want to do, you can do, but even now. Some of you need an even now faith. And even now, some of you are dead in discouragement. Some of you are dead in doubt. Some of you are dead in delay. But you've got to have an even now. Even now, whatever you ask the Father. Even now. Even now. 
Jesus wants you to come alive. And this is what Jesus says to her in response to that. Your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's just not, she's still not getting it. She's still not getting what he's coming to do. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection, the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. There's the context. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked her a question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is so important. This is so important. This is so important. Because oftentimes when we come to church on this Easter Sunday and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we celebrate it as if it's an event. But can I tell you something? The resurrection of Jesus is not an event. It's a person. The resurrection is not an event, it's a person. Resurrection life is not an event. Easter is just not some event that we have on the calendar, the religious calendar every year. It's not an event, it's a person. And he, she said, he said, do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe, I believe. But what did she say that she believes? That you are what? You are the Christ. You are the Son of God coming into the world. Friends, that is what hope is all about. It's not about an event, and it's not about a miracle, and it's not about an answer to your prayer. It is about a hope and a faith and a person, and His name is Jesus, and He is alive. He is risen from the dead. It is about a person. It is about a person. It is about a person. His name is Jesus, and He sits at the right hand of the Father, and whatever we ask, He can do. In the, in the Father's name. That's what Scripture tells us. It is in a person. It is in a person. And listen, when the resurrection life, the person of Jesus Christ shows up into your situation, it doesn't matter how dead it is. He says, come alive. He says, come alive. It doesn't matter how much it stinketh. He says, come alive. Take the stone away. This is what it says. John eleven forty three and 44, Jesus, the person walked in. Take the stone away, and that's what they did. And when they had done these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, and his hands and feet were bound in linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus, resurrection life called Lazarus, out of the grave with a loud voice. And on this Easter Sunday, Jesus is calling you out of your doubt. He's calling you out of the grave of your discouragement. He's calling you out of the grave of your delay. He's calling you out of the grave of your sin, out of the grave of your addiction, out of the grave of the things that have held you bound, the strongholds that have kept you bound, that have wrapped you up. He, he is calling you out of the grave. But some of you can't see it because just like, just like there were Lazarus, there's a stone sealed over the tomb. You know what? That's the amazing contrast of these two stories. You see in the story of Lazarus, he's in a tomb and there's a stone, and he says, remove the stone. 
Jesus' situation, there was a stone in front of the tomb, right? So, so Jesus says, tells them, roll the stone away. And when the women walked up to the tomb, what'd they say? Who's gonna, who's gonna walk? Who's gonna roll the stone away? Who's gonna roll the stone away? There are some of you that you feel dead inside. You've lost faith. You've lost hope. You're dead in delay. You're dead in discouragement. You're dead in your doubts. And all you see is being trapped in a tomb. You just see being trapped and there's just obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And you're saying, who is gonna to move the stone. Who's going to roll the stone away? Friends, I want to tell you something. Christ has rolled the stone away. Christ has rolled the stone away. He is the one who's able to roll the stone away. He is the resurrection and the life. And the same voice that called Lazarus out of the grave is calling to you this morning and saying, come alive. Come alive. Come alive. It's time to come out of there. It's time to come out of that grave. Listen, this is what Ephesians 2.1, Paul wrote this. He said, and he made alive. And he, he, excuse me, and you, boy, I didn't, I messed that up. And you, he made alive. And you, he made alive. And you, he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's what Jesus Christ does for us. He makes us alive. He makes us alive. He makes us alive. And you, he made alive. Let me tell you about this, the dead in sins and trespasses. The word trespasses comes from the, from the Greek word uh, that, that means a, a false step or a deviation from the path. I've taken a false step. I've gotten off the path. Some of you have gotten off the path. That's a trespass. I've gotten off the path. The, the word trespasses and sins, the word sins is, is the Greek word hamartia. It's a hunting term. It means to miss the mark, to fall short of the standard. And this is the place where we are before Jesus Christ, before any hope in Jesus, before we know Jesus, before he shows up with resurrection life and power in our lives. That's where we are. We are dead. We are dead spiritually. We may not be dead physically, but the moment that sin entered into this world, you and I were dead on arrival, DOA. The moment we came, we were dead on arrival. We were DOA because of that sin. Not only do we miss the mark, but we also step off the path. We deviate from God's plan. We have a sin problem. We are dead in our sins. But because of the resurrection, Jesus Christ makes us alive, forgives us of our trespasses and our sins, and he makes us alive in Christ Jesus. And that's what he wants to do with some of you this morning. Jesus wants to make you alive in Christ Jesus. He wants to make you alive today. He, no, he wants you to know your sins can be forgiven. You don't have to, to wrestle with those doubts, but you can place your faith in Jesus and experience his resurrection life. There are some of you that need Jesus to roll some pretty big stones away. You need Jesus to, 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 to move in your situation. And today, Jesus wants to give you hope and bring life today. He wants to lift you out of your discouragement and give you hope Come on, worship team, will you come back? Let me close with this. Thomas, Thomas, I want to go back to him for a moment. He was not in the room when Jesus first came. He was struggling to believe, and, and this is what Jesus did for him. This is the rest of the story. Remember, he said, unless I, unless I touch his nail-scarred hands or put my, my hand in his side, I will not believe. This is what Jesus did for him. This is what Jesus showed up and did for Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand in, 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 and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas cried out. He answered this, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. For Thomas, the only thing that was going to convince him was to see and touch the scars and the hands of Jesus. What was it about the scars in his book 
The Jesus I Never Knew, author Philip Yancey, he wrote this. He said, I believe the story of Easter would be incomplete without those scars on the hands and the feet and the side of Jesus. He says this, when humans, when human beings fantasize, we dream of pearly white straight teeth and wrinkle-free skin and sexy ideal shapes. We dream of an unnatural state, a perfect body. But for Jesus, being confined in a skeleton with human skin was the most unnatural state. The scars are to him an emblem of life on our planet, a permanent reminder of those days of confinement and suffering. And then he goes on to write this. I take hope in Jesus' scars. From the perspective of heaven, they represent the most horrible event that has ever happened in the history of the universe. Even that event, the crucifixion, Easter turned but into a memory. Because of Easter, I can hope that the tears shed, that the blows we receive, that the emotional pain and the heartache over lost friends and lost loved ones, all these will become memories like Jesus' scars. Scars never completely go away, but neither do they hurt any longer. For Mary and Martha and Lazarus himself, a dead situation turned into life because Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life showed up. And for some of you, you are dead in your sin. Some of you are dead in discouragement. Some of you are struggling with doubt. Some of you are in a tomb of despair or delay. But I want to encourage you this morning on this Easter Sunday that there is hope because the resurrection and the life, Jesus Christ shows up and he invites us today to come alive, to come alive. Let's bow our heads this morning. And maybe you're here, you're watching online this morning and you would say, you know what, I'm dead in my sin. I've struggled with doubt and I've not... I've not put my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I would say that I am dead in my sin. I would say that I, I, have not, I have not received forgiveness of my sin. I've missed the mark. I've stepped off course. And I recognize on this Easter Sunday that I need to give my life to Jesus Christ who gave his life for me. I want resurrection life. I want the life that Jesus offers. I want the eternal life that he promises. If that's you today, will you slip up your hand? I want to lead you to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I need, I need Jesus today. I need Jesus today. I want to put my faith in Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's pray. If you raise your hand, will you pray with me today? If you didn't raise your hand, but you say, you know what? I want to pray that prayer. I need my sins forgiven. And I need to put my faith in Jesus. Will you just pray? If you're online, will you pray with me? Just pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you love me and that you gave your life for me. I ask you today to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me of my unrighteousness. I ask you to come into my heart and life and give me resurrection life. I put my faith in you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.